Hello there, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivate individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization using a combination of old-school wisdom and new breed tactics to help achieve this end. My name is Sim, and today we're going to be talking about productivity. So I think the discussion of productivity is really interesting because there's a lot of angles you can take to it dissect it, dice it up, and reformulate it to come out with something that works for you. And I've explored a lot of these angles already in my writing, and I sort of became known for that, especially on Quora. But really, the only reason I talk about productivity so much is that it's pretty impossible to get the things you want from life without offering some sort of value to yourself or others. And that value is only created by productivity. And for this reason, I think productivity is hand in glove with something like self-development. And I talk about self-development, not necessarily productivity. I tried to avoid talking about it in a specific episode as much as possible and sort of slyly weave it in to other areas like habits, self-discipline, and pragmatism, because there's just so much productivity advice out there. And, you know, it's sort of been it's a dead horse, pretty much. It's been beaten to death. There's a lot of books about it. There's a lot of resources on it. And you don't need another resource telling you about productivity. <laughs> but pragmatism, the episode on pragmatism is the only episode that I've explicitly talked about it really in depth at that point. But I think at this point of recording all of these, it's painfully obvious that productivity needs its own episode within this realm of uh unstoppable rise so here it is here's the episode dedicated solely to productivity so if you're on a car ride like a commute or something like that or maybe you're just settling in to work or maybe you're just doing whatever uh, this is going to be a pretty long episode so just settle in get your favorite drink nice cup of coffee tea and just kick back and enjoy. So like I said, um, I think it's worth trying to pin down some sort of universal benchmark for productivity and a mental model for it. And this episode, again, is my attempt to do so. And you may have your own way of seeing productivity, but this is what's worked for me. So you can take it or leave it. So first, I think we need to answer the million dollar question. What is productivity? Ah, that elusive snake in the grass. And there's many different definitions of productivity. Pretty much if you've heard of any definition for productivity or if you've gone to business school, they'll define it as quantity times quality equals productivity. And that's a very standard and basic definition and mental model for productivity, especially when it comes to industrial types of work, just output. But my definition that encompasses all types of productivity is making progress towards a goal or goals and eventually achieving those goals. That's pretty much it. It doesn't have quantity and quality. It it doesn't assign a specific metric to that. It assigns more of a marker or a goal. So when someone says he's productive or he's a highly productive person, 
they pretty much mean he's able to achieve beneficial results in a reasonable amount of time. And this is what people mean colloquially when they say getting shit done. Um, so for, for uh, productivity, you're basically shortening the space between good results and doing more of them. So doing, again, high quantity and high quality. That's productivity, again, in a nutshell. And like I said, I don't assign specific hard, 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 hard metrics to those because I don't think every area of life has those types of hard metrics. And I'll get into that very soon. So the whole kicker, the whole clincher for all of this, again, is that there's many different spheres of life where someone can be productive. And all these different spheres of life have their own benchmarks for productivity. So you have standard work productivity, crank work, where you're just able to produce beneficial results at work and handle high volumes of work, especially if you're in a creative field, like if you're a graphic designer or you're a writer or you're an artist, then you're just able to produce high quantities and high volumes of those with high quality. Um, And speaking of productivity, uh, creative productivity, me putting out this episode is an example of that creative productivity, being able to synthesize my thoughts around these and express them and produce good audio. That's one aspect of that type of productivity, which again, there's many. Lots of guys are concerned with being romantically successful or romantic productivity, where they're able to seduce women for one night stands and even longer-term relationships. That's one aspect of productivity. I'm not saying it's necessarily right or wrong. That's just uh, another aspect. Uh, or you could be productive when it comes to video games. You're able to kick ass and take names in a, in a game like Call of Duty or Fortnite or whatever else there is out there nowadays. I don't really keep up with uh, video game culture, but there's all types of video games and there's all types of people who are just crazy good at them so they're very productive at gaming and any area of life you can think of has its own standard for productivity because there's so many different areas of life where you can be productive it's very easy to become lopsided and you see this with the kid who's very productive at gaming but He's very unproductive at school and in his social life. He doesn't have any friends. Or you see it with the guy who's killing it at work, but his family life is terrible and he has low levels of fitness and health. And then, of course, you've got the savants, which they sort of lie outside the realm of this because they have a specific neurological condition. So you have people who who have savant syndrome and then you have masters of a field like people were just extremely, extremely, extremely good. Like Leonardo da Vinci. He was also an outlier because he was really, 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 really good at a lot of stuff. But again, he's an outlier. Or you got someone like Michelangelo or you got someone like Tesla or you got all these different people who are just really good at their field. Uh, the people who are ungodly talented at one thing, but the rest of their life is pretty much virtually barren because they've dedicated their life to that mastery and that is an entirely different subject to productivity because uh, I don't think you can mention mastery and just basic day-to-day productivity in the same topic. They're two completely different things and they take two completely different approaches and mindsets to life. But uh, again, this is just talking about productivity, just basic life productivity. And I know a guy who has some of the tightest game I've ever seen, but 
He works at a 7-Eleven and isn't doing anything really with his life. Now, there's nothing wrong with working at a 7-Eleven, but you have to understand, this is a guy who went to college and he decided that getting laid was better than going into the field that he spent four years of his life. And I think his parents spent about 35, 40 grand. And obviously he has student loans. So uh, he spent all that time and all that money preparing for that. And that, in my opinion, is a waste of time and money, but that's neither here nor there. And again, he's very romantically productive, but his entire lifestyle just is a mess. He's just a very lopsided and... I would say myopic individual. Regardless, you can see that in all of these examples that there's a deficit in productivity in crucial areas. So we want to focus on a balanced approach to productivity. The good enough metric where you're at, at a good enough level of competence to compete at high levels, but not so good where your other areas of your life are suffering or non-existent. Again, this is just a baseline level of productivity, not going towards mastery. And I also personally believe that good enough will give you an advantage and, and is better than what 80 to 90% of people put in. Because at a job, when you're applying for a job, the person who's hired for a job, especially when it comes to management or directorial or any position where you're supervising and leading a whole bunch of people, they're usually not the best person in that field. They're usually not like a master or just like some sort of genius. They definitely sometimes are just as a consequence of practicing that for many hours over a course of years. But they're usually uh, someone who has a huge lattice work of skills that come together to create someone who's good at uh, good at leading people to objective ends. So they're probably someone who understands project management, how to work with other people, understanding other people, how to resolve conflicts, and someone who fits in with the company culture. So again, they're a more balanced individual than just someone who's cranking out projects and they have to be good at that one thing. So that person will end up getting hired because they're more balanced and they have a more even keel of productivity uh, in other areas. And I plan on diving deeper into the social aspect in later episodes in this season. So definitely stay tuned. Now this sounds good, even great. But with everything you want to achieve, there's always barriers. There's always something to cross. There's always a final boss you have to defeat before you win the game. And for productivity to me, there's three barriers really. And there's probably more, but I think these are the three main ones. And those three are a lack of tangible metrics, a default of mental noise, and a default of dissipation, and lack of accountability. So I've talked about this before, and I've talked about this many times, but you need specific targets to aim at when it comes to goal-oriented behavior, which is pretty much all productivity is. So how do you know you're being productive? How do you know you're just spinning your wheels? You won't know unless you have specific targets, specific metrics. If you want to be in a romantic relationship, is going on dates and juggling dead-end conversations on online dating a waste of time, or is it just part of the process? If you want to learn how to write code, is reading articles about coding a waste of time, or do they contribute to the end goal? Both of these situations 
They may fit you, they may not, but you won't know if you don't have any idea of where these actions are taking you. And it's going to be pretty hard to be productive because of that. You won't know if you've achieved productivity in those areas. The second is the default of mental noise and dissipation and et cetera, et cetera, where you're just easier to get distracted than not. And today it's just easier to, to be distracted than than not. Obviously, there are just so many distractions. You can get convinced that something's a good idea when in reality it doesn't really help you move closer towards a goal. So if your goal is to get in great shape and add muscle mass, doing all kinds of crazy complex training methods won't get you there if you don't even have a base to build from. I see all these guys in the gym. They do all these crazy things, all these crazy drop sets, supersets, uh, pump training, all that stuff. And, you know, you can train however you want. You know, it's a free country and it's a free world. But uh, these guys don't even have any real strength. I mean, these guys are just fooling themselves that they're actually going towards their goal of building muscle mass, which I assume pretty much every young guy wants to do for the most part if they're in the gym and they're lifting weights. That's why I assume everybody wants to do, but I could be wrong. Um, you're not going to achieve that goal if you're just messing around and switching your routine routine and doing all this than the other. You're pretty much just wasting time. But again, that's whatever. Third is lack of accountability. And if you don't have someone else holding your feet to the fire, encouraging you to be productive, then the chances of that happening significantly drop, especially if you have no self-discipline and you aren't self-motivated, especially if the goal is pretty far away or difficult to achieve. This accountability is pretty much why people go to rehab if they have a drug issue. You know, getting clean from drugs, especially very hard ones that you've used to deal with issues for years. Uh, Getting rid of that type of stimulation from your life is very, very mentally taxing and emotionally draining. And for people who haven't built up the discipline, the motivation, the willpower, and if you're doing drugs compulsively, especially something like opiates or any of these crazy things they have out now, you're not going to have that. And staying clean is going to be much harder on your own. So you go into a, a rehab facility to offload your other responsibilities so you can focus on just getting clean. And obviously with the rehab comes an environment of accountability. It makes it easier to achieve your goal and be productive in that area. The goal of getting off drugs and staying clean makes it easier when you offload that to an environment and you design your environment around that. So many people leave rehab and they end up relapsing. It's pretty shocking, pretty staggering how many people relapse. People go to rehab over and over and over and over again. Uh, Some even go their entire lives because uh, the changes didn't stick and they didn't change their self-image to be someone who does not use drugs. Uh, And they no longer have that environment of accountability. So once they leave the rehab, they're going back to the same environment that they just came from. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to fall back to the default. They're just going to go back to using drugs because that's easiest to do. And it's easiest to do because you don't have that environment of accountability. And summing this all up is what I mentioned in the episode 
on pragmatism when I was talking about deep work and Cal Newport already talked about it and I would twist it, twist that statement and say it like this. I'd say in the absence of tangible metrics, a clear direction, and sometimes even accountability, it's easiest to turn towards behaviors that are easiest in the moment. And what's easiest is the lack of true productivity. Again, busyness, just spinning your wheels and making it seem like you're actually going somewhere when in reality, you're just stuck in quicksand. So if you want to be productive, I think there's three things that really help it move along. And let's quickly just blast through these. The three, I believe, that help productivity are environment design, habit formation, and a solid mental foundation. Your environment, like I just mentioned, makes it easier or harder to be productive. That's why you see kids who come from homes where there's a lot of turbulence, a lot of fighting, uh, ones like where the parents are one or both parents are addicted to drugs and they're just fighting every day and you know people are coming in and out of the house dealers are coming in and out of the house uh there's a lot of guns there's a lot of crime you know this stuff is pretty shocking but this is the reality for some kids homes you know uh, especially in inner city environments and you'll end up seeing kids like that and they end up doing bad in school and having bad grades in school and it's not because they're not smart but because their dysfunctional home environment just isn't conducive to a life of productivity. And you need productivity to achieve good grades. It's pretty simple. So this is why libraries exist. Libraries are an environment inherently designed to make you productive. And this is why something like monasteries exist on a more extreme level. They're designed to be productive at self-examination. And it's not that you can't be productive in a turbulent environment. It's just that it's very, very difficult. And it unnecessarily taps on mental resources and willpower that you may sometimes not even have, especially if you're a child who hasn't developed and hasn't had a background of socialization for productivity and self-discipline and self-management. And again, like I said, it's not that a lot of these kids are dumb. It's just that they haven't had the socialization process to build all these things up so they can become someone who is productive and self-motivated. So this flows into the second one, which is habit formation. And if you have the habits of focusing, being task oriented, doing the things that you need to do, then being productive is just a default. That's how it is for me. I've spent many years of my life in a mainly productive mode that producing things at high quantity and good quality is my default. And I've already talked about that in the last episode, so I'm not going to go into that. Third and final, you need a solid mental foundation to be productive. Everything originates from the mind and physiologically the brain. So your mental foundation really needs to be solid. And since productivity is pretty much time spent on task, then you need to deal with all the things that come up naturally when you're being productive in any sphere. More so in work, but definitely things just happen. Things just come up. Being thrown off task, having to deal with possible negative emotions, possible interruptions, planning, reorienting, strategizing, blah, 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 all that stuff. All of this, what I just mentioned, come under what I call, quote unquote, mental arousal, what I consider mental arousal. Things that create turbulence in the mind and make it harder to Make it harder to get from that straight line 
that I mentioned in episode one. Things that make it harder to get from A to B. So we play, again, we play all types of games to avoid this type of mental arousal. Just to stop the cognitive burden and the cognitive load that is inherent when you're being productive. Especially on things that where you're producing something out of nothing in creative endeavors. That's why it's so easy to procrastinate. Because the cognitive load and cognitive burden, some people just haven't built themselves up to handle that so you need a strong mindset to deal with all these things and still push on regardless and it's been found that productivity is impacted negatively or positively by what is called working memory and think of your working memory as this this convention in your mind and in your brain that sorts the data that life is giving you and it organizes them into chunks of readily accessible information within your short-term memory. And your working memory acts and sorts relevant and irrelevant information into priority list and it does this in seconds. It does this, helps you keep track of things and manage products. It does this very quickly. So, Right now, I'm using my working memory because I have chunks of short-term information in my mind and I'm drawing upon them to speak about, speak about this topic. So I'm using my working memory right now and you're using your working memory by listening to this as well, even though it may be, not be as extensive as someone like me who's talking, but you're still using your working memory to help organize and help sort this data and if you do something that's in short-term memory over and over and over again, that's when it gets pushed to long-term memory because your brain's like, oh, well, I guess it's important enough because he keeps doing this. So let me put this in long-term accessible memory. And obviously, that's the bedrock foundation of habits. And the working memory is a function of your prefrontal cortex, which doesn't really finish forming until around 25, 26 For some people, it's a bit earlier. Uh, Some people, it's a bit later. But until this happens, you won't really have the full span of your productive capacities. And that's why uh, people who are young, it's very easy for them to form good habits or bad habits because um, they don't have the prefrontal cortex really to discern what is good and what is bad. You have an idea of what is good versus bad. But you weren't able to really discern and figure it out whether you should do this over and over and over and over again. So you just, again, turn towards what's easiest. And what's easiest is being non-productive. And being non-productive is obviously the root of bad habits. So that's why a lot of people emerge from adolescence and young adulthood with a whole bunch of bad habits that they have to spend months, even years, even decades getting rid of because they picked it up when they were adolescents and they didn't have the discernment physiologically to determine whether that's something that should stay in short-term memory. Like you just smoke a cigarette once uh, and then you smoke it again because it feels good. That's something, that's a behavior that gets pushed into long-term memory. So you don't have that discernment and you don't have that foresight to figure out whether this is going to be detrimental to you long time down the road and by the time you've already formed that habit it's already very encoded into your into who you are so it's very hard to get rid of but some people can get rid of it easier than others and you know getting rid of habits addictions all of that stuff is very very individual some people can use willpower some people can use 
um, environment design. Some people just have a better way of getting rid of habits than other people. The, the scientists and researchers haven't really found out what makes some people get rid of bad habits or addictions easier than others. Obviously, some people say there's a genetic bias for willpower and genetic bias for getting rid of addictions. And there's a genetic bias for addictions, but none of that is really set in stone yet. Um, But you really want to be concerned with the fact that um, until you're 25 or until you're in your later adulthood or later early adulthood, that's going to be you're not going to top out on your productive capacity and it's just going to be easier for you to do things that you know you shouldn't do. And like I said, it's not that you can't be productive at earlier ages. I was productive. I was very productive in school and years ago. However, it wasn't anywhere at the level it is now. And I'm 28. So there would be times where I'd often get frustrated, stressed out, and my mental capacities would tire out easily. And not only do I have methods to productivity, but it's because I have a fully functional prefrontal cortex, or at least I think I do. It's because of, because of those reasons that help me be productive right now. So I know I just threw a whole bunch of things at you, and you may wonder how you can start using this. So first off, I would say start small with anything, just start small. It's very hard to aim for top marks in a certain sphere of productivity if you haven't built up the underlying habits first. So do something that's a bit outside of your reach in a certain area, then continue to do that. So again, you can push that towards long-term memory and habit formation. And over time, you'll see that you've built up your baseline and you're more able to handle greater and greater tasks in that area. So again, in work productivity, focusing is important. And if you want to focus for longer periods of time, keep focusing for those long periods of time and eventually bump it up and bump it up and bump it up. And then you'll see that you're focusing for hours at a time, almost effortlessly. And this only comes from years of practice. So start small and don't get frustrated and beat yourself up and say, oh, I'm a failure when you're building yourself up. That's not productive. Secondly, obviously, you have to build up the ecosystem And a lot of people want to be productive, but they have a weak mental and emotional constitution relative to the productive output they want to achieve. So if you haven't built up the habits of self-discipline, self-control, being able to deal with stress, focusing on goal-oriented achievement, proper sleep, proper diet, dealing with that mental arousal that I talked earlier about, then you, you have a snowball's chance in hell of doing all the things you want to do. And it makes no sense that you want to Oh, I want to get a high paying job. I want to get a super ripped body. I want to get a highly uh, successful and uh, have a lot of friends and have a high class social circle. I want to date attractive women. I want to learn a new skill. I want to do all these. I mean, it's, it's just too much. So when you find it difficult to even get your day started on the right foot and you keep hitting snooze over and over again and you can't even do something simple like make your bed then how are you going to expect to do all these other things when you don't even have the proper lifestyle underpinnings in place, you know? So you got to focus on building a foundation first, and then you just go from there. So foundation, then all the trimmings. Third, you want to focus on getting out of balance to become overall more balanced. 
So sometimes if you want to improve in a certain area, other areas of your life are going to have to take a hit temporarily. Myself, I had a period of about three, four months where I did nothing but play music, read, I read, and I meditated. Uh, other areas of my life took a hit. My social life, my economics, my fitness. But, you know, when I came out of that, I was stronger. I was more knowledgeable. I was more focused. I was uh, more adept at those skills. And I just operate at a higher level on those skills because I took the time to focus exclusively on those to the detriment of a lot of other things in my life. So, for example, for you, if you want to get promoted at your workplace and there's a promotion up for grabs, there's a chance that you'll have to work on harder projects that require more focus, more hours, and your social and your family life is going to take a hit. I mean, can't do everything. So, but you are going to have to see that long-term payoff and convince yourself that would be worth it if you're willing to sacrifice now. And this is what I was referring to in the last episode of playing to win, not to not lose, and losing in order to gain, making the sacrifices, making those little adjustments, and giving up in the short term to increase your overall structure in the long term. So that's number three. So fourth, you want to make productivity the environmental default. And this goes back to environment design, where you want an environment where it's easier for you to do things of greater consequence than lesser consequence. If you're trying to get fit, you want to make it easier for you to go to the gym or work out and also easier for you to eat more healthy food than junk. So very basic. What does this look like? You take out your work clo- workout clothes and you put them in a place that's easily accessible and readily visible. If you have problems getting motivated to go to the gym, you may get a gym partner and have him keep you accountable and say, don't let me miss a single workout. Or you'll probably have a trainer that will call you and say, hey, Bill, John, Mike, where are you? You're, we have a training session now. Where are you? So they'll be motivated to get you motivated because obviously they're getting money and um, their job is to keep you motivated and keep you on task. So you have all those layers. And then for your diet, you uh, throw out all the junk in your fridge and your closet and just fill it up with healthy food. So you're not tempted to go and snack and binge on potato chips and just lay on the couch on a Friday evening when you have nothing else going on. So that temptation is gone. It's out of sight, out of mind. So you've created this gap. And if you're trying to focus on work, you block social media on your computer, delete the apps on your phone, and block all of these time-wasting websites that help you not be productive. You block those. And you keep hacking away at that project. And eventually, you will finish that project. So this gap between non-beneficial behaviors and beneficial ones, you fill with productivity. And that gap and that interest, that compound interest over time... You do that, do all these over time, you'll find that your baseline level of productivity increases and your lifestyle does as a result. So yeah, those are the four main basic things I'd say if you want to get started with just being productive. So that's about it. I knew I threw a lot at you and this is shorter than I thought it would be. Um, I thought this was going to be a much longer episode, but it was pretty dense. So don't hesitate to listen to this episode again if you find you need to. And if you found this information helpful, I talk about 
productivity, and other self-development topics at www.unstoppablerise.com. And you'll find more things there. So until next time, take care and of course, stay productive. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in and listening in. I truly appreciate your support and your attention. It means a lot. If you like this content, go ahead and like the content. Go ahead and share the content with at least two other people you think would benefit. Doesn't hurt to spread the good stuff around, right? And if you're listening in on iTunes, go ahead and rate the show with a honest rating. This will definitely help the show grow. And I truly appreciate your feedback. So until next time, stay good. Take care of yourself. Take care of other people. And peace.